Welcome to Unboxing Logistics, the hot new podcast from EasyPost, where we dive into all of the latest challenges and trends going on in the logistics industry. I'm Lori Boyer, and I am your host. And today we are going to be talking all about one of the most challenging aspects. I shouldn't even say most challenging. There's so many challenging aspects of this industry, but we are going to be diving into porch piracy. And I have brought on a really exciting guest today who is in the know on this topic and especially around a lot of the legal issues. So I have with us today, Jessica Lawrence from UPS. Jessica, welcome. Can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background? Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me today. I'm excited to talk about this this uh, this issue that kind of plagues everybody, right? Nobody's immune to porch piracy. Um, I'm Jessica Lawrence, and I am Vice President of Federal Affairs at UPS, where obviously we are a shipper of choice for many of your listeners, and porch piracy is an issue. And, you know, it seems to creep up this time of year with it being the holidays, and people seem to experience it even more than other months of the year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Jessica, so you work with Congress to help work with legislative issues, um, helping really on a legal basis. Can you tell me a little bit about maybe how you got into that? That's just really cool. Yeah, so um, believe it or not, I'm 20 years in the postal industry. Um, I started at the United States Postal Service as an economist, regulatory economist for them, uh, pricing economist, and then moved over to the Association for Postal Commerce, where I was lucky enough to work with one of the infamous uh, Jean Del Polito, who led the organization for many years. And uh, it was just, uh, you know, a uh, a solid voice in the industry. So I got to learn a lot of the ropes from him, uh, testified before Congress representing the industry and and different aspects of meeting with members of Congress and their staffers. And then as e-commerce took off in 2012, uh, I was lucky enough to get to know the UPS folks who joined our board and they eventually extended an invitation to join them in 2017 where I have um, grown my portfolio. First, it was just postal, uh, and I've grown it to include regulated goods, hazmat, uh, beer, wine, firearms, um, and then the UPS store as well, which is um, a great um, addition to a UPS offering. I love it. It is really cool. So everybody, Jessica's out there kind of on the front lines trying to represent us, trying to make sure that we get legislation passed that's going to protect our interests, protect the industry. And that's really, really cool. So I want to hear about it. I want to hear more about kind of how the challenges of it. It's an interesting role in the logistics industry. But first, I want to get to know you a little bit more. Um, so one question this season that I have been asking all of our guests is, tell me what you were like as a teenager. Tell me what you were like in high school. You know, were you the perfect cheer captain? Were you a dropout at 14? We, we seem to run the gamut. So I would say, and, and it's funny that you ask because my oldest is uh, 15 turning 16. So high school is constantly a, a topic in our household. Um, I would say I was um, an overachiever. I joined every club. I was part of, you know, sports teams. Uh, I worked, I volunteered. And I would say that um, you could probably characterize me as one of those busy bees. I, I never sat still, um, learned it from my parents who were huge 
um, folks in the church, but also volunteered in our community. They helped run like a three week carnival when I was growing up. So like we just to raise money for the community and for, you know, centers and stuff. And so it was one of those where I think I learned a lot from them about just constantly having, you know, a finger in every pie or, you know, however the saying goes to constantly just be a part of it. And I love trying new things and doing new things. And, you know, I'm one of those, I'll stick to it till the time's over. And then, you know, if I didn't want to do it again, I just, you know, kind of step away. But I always like trying new things. Even now as an adult, I, I'm always doing, trying something new. <laughs> okay. I wish we lived closer together because I think we could totally be friends. I was very similar in sports and in choir and in AP classes and in the clubs and in the, yeah. So I love that. That's very, very fun. It's been really interesting talking to people in the industry because it really does run like we literally have people who dropped out and started working on their own when they were young and people who were super overachievers. And I think as a parent, it helps me know like, okay, you can still be super successful. There's a lot of different paths to, to doing this. They don't have to all be like us, Jessica, doing it. <laughs> so. Okay, my second question is, if you were to win the lottery today, how would your life look different? What changes would you do? Um, yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, well, we're in the market to buy a car, so we'd be a three... <laughs> Uh, car household <laughs> very easily instead of you know looking for the best deal sort of thing um i would say probably more focused on volunteering or you know giving back um you know i i'm lucky enough to ups has a fa fantastic foundation um that we give to the that the that the company provides and watching them through disaster relief and 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 getting things whether you know it was in puerto rico or hawaii or you know things over overseas um very much would what you know would want to support efforts like that another really big one that they do that that i find fascinating is um truckers against trafficking so it's a huge issue in the united states and uh, ups started a foundation uh, or association around that and handed it off and now you know it's run and and uh, truckers from all over the country are a part of it and like causes like that that are impactful and and have immediate um, you know, again, impact to the communities around them or the nation as a whole. I would definitely like to be involved more like, you know, giving money is one thing, but like being boots on the ground, I very much could see myself um, participating in things like that. I love that. That is very similar to how I would have answered as well. And honestly, <laughs> I get quite a few people. It's everybody should be winning the lottery because I think a lot of good things would happen in the world if we all had yeah. more money. So, yeah. Um, Awesome. Okay. So I want to hear, we're going to dive into the topic of porch piracy. We're going to talk about, you know, kind of its background, the trends with it, everything that our audience is curious about. But I want to know from you before we even get started, what are a couple of things um, that you would like our community to come away with today? That if they only remember one or two or three things, what are those things that you would, what are the hot takes that you've got that you think are most important for people to remember around this topic? Yeah. So I would say, um, you know, both from it first, I'll take it from a kind of a UPS store perspective or a UPS perspective. There's definitely when we have to come back two and three times, there's always a, a cost associated with that. Right. When 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 we're unable to leave a package by the door, but we don't want to leave it by the door and have it stolen. Right. So it's a catch 22. So I would say, you know, um, knowing, you know, when you if you can do your prime day, you know, on Thursday, because, you know, you work from home on Thursdays 
or you have, you know, the ability to have it when you're going to be home is always beneficial because, you know, we knock, uh, we don't stick around and chat, but we do knock so that you know that there's a package there, uh, especially if you're in an area where, you know, porch privacy is pretty prevalent, I would say is a, is a good idea. We There's also a lot of stores are becoming access points. So, you know, you, you know, you know you're going to go be driving by Staples on the way home or Office Depot or, you know, the lockboxes that are, are known, you know, those things are always good secondary choices. Um, if it's not inconvenient, you know, there's nothing, we don't want to inconvenience, but having a package sold is, is inconvenient, right? So it's like, sometimes you have to pick your inconvenient. Um, and, and obviously if you live in an apartment building and you have a doorman or you have things like that, that makes it, you know, life so much easier, but you know, not everyone has access to those, you know, kind of uh, services. So I would say, especially if you're on a busy street, be thoughtful about it. Um, leaving instructions for a carrier. You could very say, drive around the back of my townhouse building and put it by my by my garage instead of my front door, right? Like think about things. We bought uh, my, we didn't buy it. My husband built like a crate because we had dogs and the dogs kept, when they were puppies would like rip open the packages and we would walk yes. home and you know something santa claus was supposed to be getting the kids is now all across the lawn and the kids are like i thought santa was getting me that i'm like oh i talked to him you're not i'm getting it for you <laughs> right because we collaborated here uh, we're, we're, we're figuring it out right and so um but like we we built a bin that it goes in now that may be a you know big alarm like oh look there's packages here but it is it was always in one place and so whether it was, you know, Amazon or FedEx or Postal or EPS, they it all dropped in there. So like it was one location instead of trying to like hunt around for packages in, in our, you know, um, front porch, back porch, you know, garage, this, that and the other. So I would say, you know, planning deliveries at this time of year when it's, you know, we do see a spike in porch piracy is good. And I would say if you know, pick your inconvenience if you do have to pick a secondary location because maybe you're traveling for the weekend and you're not going to be there and you don't want your package sitting out doing a lockbox or a staples or, you know, many of the very, you know, different partners we have, um, and not just us, all the companies are doing it, um, makes it very convenient um, set that way. They're Because if you think about it, if, you, if you're going to New York City for the holiday season and you're going to be gone Friday, Saturday and come back Sunday and, you know, you're expecting a package Friday, they're going to come back Saturday, they'll probably come back Sunday. And at some point they, you know, they return to the sender or they keep it at their customer service centers forcing you to you know drive to them which in some cases could be 45 minutes an hour away right i mean it's not everyone lives urban where it's right down the road so i would say um just being a little more thoughtful will probably it's inconvenient to think that far ahead but at the same time it's ends up saving you a lot of time not to have to deal with it yeah i love that so let's talk about porch piracy in general so when did you start seeing kind of this becoming a big issue? I don't remember as a kid, for instance, having issues with people stealing packages if they came. Um, it, it seems to have ramped up. I guess let's let's kind of cover the history of how did porch piracy, when did it sort of start to take off? What is the difference now maybe between porch piracy even five or 10 years ago? Yeah, so I would say that obviously e-commerce um, in 2012, when that kind of started spiking, 
um, the real introduction of, of, of direct to consumer, right? So for so many years, you had business to business deliveries, right? We would deliver goods to Toys R Us. We would deliver goods to Kohl's and people would get in their cars and they would drive, right? And then kind of e-commerce in 2012 took off and then the pandemic happened, um, you know, in, in 2020. And you saw, you know, 10 years of growth in three months in, in the pandemic. And so I would say, Around 2018 is when the the phrase was coined where, you know, someone would come in and steal, you know, the the package. And, you know, I think as it grew and people started experiencing, I mean, you go into any Hill office and you bring up the word porch piracy. I've never met a staffer who hasn't had a package stolen. Right. I think it's it's part of the customer buying experience now and it's not the fault of the carrier or even the company you're buying from it's just the reality of the world we live in today and so i think you know just kind of you know level setting it, it it's happening everywhere uh Rural, you know, rural communities see less of it just because it's such, you know, there could be very far drives between porches um, and you might have to go up a private road. So, it, you know, it's not as, oh, I live in a townhouse community and you could follow the brown truck through the whole thing and snap, snap you know, snap, 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 snap as you go through. Right. So it's, it's a different experience. Um, so, you know, rural communities, maybe not as prevalent obviously urban and suburban areas where you have density, uh, it makes it easier for, for it to occur. Um, one of the, you know, and, and again, looking at like the beginning trends of it, I think it was more folks were looking for certain brands, right? So I think in the mm -hmm. beginning, a lot of folks would make custom boxes. So you knew it was an Apple product or you knew it was like a higher end product because it was part of the opening experience and the buying experience. And you, you oh my goodness, it's here. You know, now everything's in a brown box, right? Because, you know, maybe that, you know, you can see the red target guy on there, the bullseye and, you know, those kind of like symbols that you're used to the branding of it, but it's not as prevalent to have these showy boxes as it once was um, because, you know, everything kind of looks the same. I mean, sometimes the only way, you know, it's from Apple is when you look at the, you know, size seven font on the label and it says, you know, Apple. And sometimes they're even taking that away and just calling it a distribution center or, you know, a distribution center because they don't even want you to know that it's that it's certain products because of the tendency to look for those and try to steal those. So um, I definitely think that uh, you've seen, you know, people accept that it's part of the buying experience, both from a consumer and a seller standpoint, but, and then try to change things to make it less of an issue. Um, I also think another, I hate to say it, but because it's so easy to get refunds or get a new package um, that that it's almost like, and, and you see it with credit cards too, right? Like, I mean, you see fraudulent activity on your credit card account and it's just magically just goes off into the ether, right? And kind of the same thing with, with the package. You know, you, oh, my my Amazon package didn't get delivered. Okay. Or my Kohl's or, you know, name all the, all the you know, retail brands. And they're like, okay, well, we'll get you, we're going to send a new one out and do this and this and this and this and this. And then they kind of, you know, credit you or, send you a replacement. Obviously they do their own internal investigations, just like, you know, uh, you know, big Brown would do, but, you know, for the most part, it's, it's not, it, it's more of just a cost of doing business 
and part of the consumer experience. It's so ingrained in us now, right? Yeah. So it brings up some questions for me. So, you know, you referenced the fact that we know, of course, it's not the carrier's fault. It's not the business's fault. And yet it still kind of impacts that customer journey, right? It experience the customer experience, especially when we talk holidays or something, you're hoping that it, you were going to get this package at a certain time, it gets stolen, and suddenly you don't have something for Christmas or for somebody's birthday or, or whatever time-sensitive needs you have. So what are some things that you've seen businesses specifically do? So I loved how you mentioned, first of all, the packaging has changed. Um, that people are no longer just making a really flashy box that is like a target for thieves. Mm -hmm. But what are some other things businesses can do to kind of help their customers avoid this problem? I would say if it's above a certain dollar threshold, you can, you're can you starting to see a lot more signature confirmation where the person has to physically receive the package. Um, I would say they also say they had started ship to store Right. So I want to buy it from the warehouse and or I want the online deal, but they're going to ship it right to Target. And then, you know, so that so I know it's going to be there. And then I get the email that it's there, uh, especially for big and bulky items where it could you know, there could be a delivery surcharge. They almost, you know, phrase it as, oh, well, avoid this charge and come pick it up at the store kind of thing. And so you're seeing uh, much um, much more trying to drive, you know, I mean, their, their, you know, their buildings are assets, but also expenses, right? Cause they got to keep them open. So driving more foot traffic to it, um, giving rebates, right? Uh, if you come and ship to store 10% off, like you see all different folks trying different ways to, to lessen the cost. You also see, and, you know, I, I, you know, Walmart and Target are looking to direct to consumer shipping in their own, you know, hiring Uber drivers or, you know, Uber delivers and working with them and partnerships and just trying to, you know, there's so many middlemen in the journey sometimes that you see companies trying to take them out and be direct to consumer, but that it is for being from a shipping company, it is not cheap to ship a product. Um, you know, the miles, the gas, the infrastructure, the person, the taxes, the, the, you know, the, the labor associated with the sorting to get it into the, into the street address. It's not as easy as I thought, I think everyone thought it was going to be. Um, and you've seen a lot of people kind of step into the market and step out of the market sort of thing. So I think they're all trying to control the customer experience and, 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 you know, having a really good porch pirate, my thing was stolen sort of um, experience helps make it right. Um, and I think that is, you know, but if they can control the whole journey and not have to hand it off to a carrier, then they feel they own it. Um, owning, it's not always a good thing. Sometimes you can blame the carrier, right? Um, but, you know, so you see these larger companies trying to own it. Um, the smaller guys, you know, the mom and pops on top of, you know, not the national retail chains, they, they do rely on the carrier. And part of the customer experience is dealing with the carrier too, right? So that's why, you know, you see a lot of folks, uh, even in, in the in the stolen package business, because 
sometimes it's not stolen. Maybe it got held up at a facility or maybe it's in that endless loop because the, the, the zip code was transposed or something like there's so many parts of the journey. Um, and I know we're focusing on porch pirate, but I think, you know, the carriers are, even though it's not their fault, and I'm not going to say all the time, but it's not their fault that, you know, but we are part of the customer journey as well and interacting with with their customers, right? And so you see a lot of that in both, because sometimes we get the call, you know, oh, my my package was stolen. And we're like, well, you have to call the retailer, right? Because our, our transaction has ceased. Um, it was delivered and we have proven delivery through whatever method we prove delivery. And so kind of our interaction has ended, well, then you should probably call so-and-so and let them know, or you need to report it, right? Um, and there's always 911. Um, that is one way of reporting it. And that is, you know, I, and I have some statistics on that too, but um, it's definitely um, something that dictates the customer journey, right? Yes. I have to say, I just recently moved, relocated states, and um, one of the things, you know, in the process of anytime you're getting a new house or whatnot, there ended up being a bunch of things that I'd purchased and were being shipped to the new house, but I wasn't going to be there yet. And I timed the delivery so that it would be around the time we arrived because I didn't want everything sitting on the porch. And then they ended up arriving several days early. And I was there panicking, thinking this is an expensive item sitting on my porch. And I was blaming the carrier, I have to say. And it ended up not getting stolen. It was fine. But if it had been stolen, I, you know, I guess I it, that importance of the accuracy of the delivery time. Sometimes we think, oh, if it's early, it's just a happy surprise. But, you know, having accurate delivery times in terms of you want it in the window, being early is not always good. I, that was just sort of an eye opener for me. So yeah. how have you seen that in terms of like accuracy, I guess, of delivery times? So I would say customers, you know, outside of price being a major driver, right? Um, predictability, I would say, is, is up there as anything. That's why, like, I think folks being able to have day-specific delivery, like, listen, I am traveling and I want you to deliver it Monday, right? But a lot of the times that has to happen with the retailer because of when they put things into the system. Um, and other times it's on the carrier because, you know, it's normally, you know, predictively, we would say it takes us five days to get there. And today it took us three. Right. You know, like, and so, so like I, we understand it, but we also can't hold things, you know, we're not a warehouse, so we can't hold it. So, you know, there's sometimes where it's like, oh, it's going from St. Louis to Kentucky and that's a five day window and the, you wanted it on Monday. So you did it. And the next thing you know, it's there Friday. Yep. Right. So as, as a retailer, I think it's really interesting. There are a few things you mentioned that they can do. So getting the signature. So I had a few larger items where actually they did require that there was a signature. They tried to come early. I wasn't there. And they came back when we were there. And then um, also, you know, as a retailer, then it sounds like there's a lot of expectation on you to make sure that you're getting those accurate times and dates in and that you're putting it into the system in the right time. Um, as a retailer as well, there's a lot of things you can do in terms of offering you know, potential insurance. You don't even usually have to pay for it. You can offer that as an option um, for your customers that they can purchase insurance. A lot of times that's not even an option on websites. And so I think that's another great way that people can feel a little bit more secure. But as you said, a lot of times it ends up getting eaten as a cost for retailers anyway. 
Um, mm-hmm. So that's, I think those are all great tips. So I want to talk a little bit about legislation around this issue as well. So I know that there are a variety of challenges we've had in the industry with this being able to be taken, you know, you mentioned 911 and and reporting things to the police. What are the challenges that we're seeing with laws and legislation around porch piracy? What are what are some of the issues that we we have, you know, nationwide in the United States? So under current law, federal law, it only the postal service um, is treated as a felony for porch piracy, right? And so carriers, uh, any of them that, that that doesn't have you know the little eagle for postal on it, do not you know it is up to local jurisdiction on how it is handled. Nine times out of ten, if they even come, um, it would be considered a misdemeanor. Um, and I, I imagine larger ticket items probably hold more weight. Um, but then you, you got to be able, even everyone's getting ring ring cameras. And even then you can barely make out with enough clarity on who is the person that's actually doing it. So the charges in these cases are very small. Um, what we have seen and what we have heard is that it's the, the ones that folks really want to be prosecuted are the groups that where it's organized, where they go in and they hit an entire townhouse, um, you know, and take every package in a, ta- in a townhouse community. So or, wait, let me back up just yep. a minute. So this is an organized crime type activity that's taking yeah. place here. Yes. Yeah. So we, wow. we have seen, you know, outside of the smash and grab, you know, organized retail crime, we're also starting to see it from a porch piracy perspective where it's, you know, it's not aimed at the kid who steals the Apple headphones. It's the person who goes and follows the truck and steals all the pack, all 200 packages out of, or, or you're even seeing them like get into delivery vans and, and, and taking it right. And stealing wow. the delivery vans. Right. And, and two miles down the road, it's sitting, they don't want the vehicle. It's sitting there with the keys in it, but it's completely cleaned out. Right. So you're seeing a lot more of, uh, where it's, it's purposeful in, um, in their activity. And so that has led a lot of conversation about making porch piracy a felony at certain levels, um, in order to, uh, hold folks accountable for when it is an organized kind of retail crime or it's large dollar amounts, right? So I don't know, you have your diamond ring, you know, serviced and they shipped it back. I don't think you would, but in case you did, you know, those kind of things, or, or, you know, maybe you bought a, a new mattress or, and it's sitting outside or, you know, any of the million things on which you could get delivered. It's not the dog food or, you know, the, 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 the pack of pens you bought off Amazon. It's more focused at the organized retail level of it um, and having it. So currently, like I said, there's no federal legislation. There are eight states that have actually made it a felony for porch pirate to be, you know, caught being porch pirate. It's Kentucky. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's Kentucky, New Jersey, Georgia, Tennessee, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Michigan, and Texas. So you can kind of just see from the list that, you know, it's 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 affecting large parts of the country. You know, it's, you can't say it's all Southern states or all Northern states. There's some Midwest states in there. So it's definitely where constituents are seeing it. Uh, They're complaining to their local 
uh, folks, and, you know, and I'm sure they're complaining to federal officials too, but kind of more of a local because it's, you know, when you call 911, it's your local person, right? So it's a local jurisdiction. So states have started to take it very seriously. A lot of times when they, when you can get a federal law in place, a lot of the states adopt the federal law. So that's why it would be helpful to have it as an umbrella across state. Plus, a lot of these things can happen over state lines. And so states get really kind of fishy about over state line stuff. So having a federal umbrella, um, acknowledging it. Um, There are some efforts. Um, There's a couple members of Congress who are very interested um, the problem, and it's not a problem that there's already so much already in law around stealing a UPS truck or a trailer or all those things, or, you know, breaking into a rail car that it really would only take a sentence. Um, the bill would literally be one sentence long to add to already existing provisions, right? To just say, oh, and the front porch. So we are working to maybe use it as an amendment to an existing bill where you would just add, um, you know, we want to add this one sentence to Title 18, Section 657, uh, which is the actual provision we want to add into um, that deals with carriers and rails and that sort of thing in order to then add a package left for for the household or for the recipient um, or is taken prior to acceptance from the recipient. You know, one of those sort of um, carefully worded, so it directs you to porch prior, but we can't write porch piracy into law, right? Because those that that's just a, a, a term that's being used, but it could always change, right? So um, plus, again, we don't want the one-off kid that sold something. We want the more organized where it's, you know, cleaning out an entire, an entire community, or, you know, they're, they constantly do it or follow certain trucks around. And, um, and it, yeah, it's, it's a problem. There's Forbes has a great article out on this. Uh, Cap One Research has a great article out on this. And Chamber of Commerce just released a new report looking at, you know, porch piracy, because it's so impactful. In 20, 22 alone, it was $19.5 billion worth of goods. Right. And so, and so people are taking it and then they create an online account and then just because think about it, it's still in the box, it's packaging. They could just say it's new and then they're selling it for at price. Right. And so that's why, you know, the organized side of it, I mean, you can't stop the one offs and, and, there's not really enough resources in the world to stop the one-offs, but it's when they're purposefully doing things or then reselling it um, at high dollar values, some of these goods. Um, yeah. And Forbes said eight in 10 Americans, they have experienced um, porch piracy that um, it has, it's 40% urban, 40% suburban, and only 14% rural communities are affected. So I think, you know, some of these larger cities are, you know, seeing it and having to deal with it. Um, Forbes even said the worst, worst ranked states, which I was surprised at the worst ranked states, but it also kind of lines up with who has done legislation. But New Hampshire is number one. New Hampshire! In the country. For porch piracy. So if you live in New Hampshire, I'm sure you've experienced it. Uh, Oklahoma, which matches up with legislation, right? Delaware, um, which I I could totally see, you know, because Delaware is largely a a beach 
you know, not largely, but has a lot of beach yeah. where folks probably have shit delivered. They're not always at their homes. You know, it's a secondary property maybe, um, or they're, you know, send it prior to going on vacation and it sits there. So um, I could see that. And then Iowa, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing out there in Iowa, but and then Colorado was the uh, was the top five. So, um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, again, not a lot of 911 calls, I think, are going to get a big response from folks. So it does kind of come from a corporate responsibility. They're probably and I'm sure that, you know, before long, there might be SEC required reporting on, you know, goods stolen and think about it, you know, if. if you know, there's a retail aspect of some of these stores on top of the porch piracy. It could be greatly affected from theft in general. So I think, you know, um, you saw a lot of states moving away from um, making these heavy crimes. But then the theft has gotten so prevalent that it's almost like you see I'm starting to come back and that pendulum swing the other way um, to kind of at least hold folks accountable, yeah. uh, especially minors. Unfortunately, um, it, it's largely outside of the, even the organized crime is largely minors. And really? many, many states with the minors um, with, for misdemeanors, they're out within an hour. Some aren't even brought brought forth like they can find the guilty party and they're not they're not even charged. Um, so, so one of the big challenges, it seems like in this, you know, area of topic is the fact that there are not very harsh consequences right now. That's true. Not very good safeguards in place to yep. protect businesses and consumers. And so, so it's, so, you know, I think it's, it's twofold. It's not only is it that there's really nothing there that as a stick, right. To say, don't do this. The, the retailers have made it so easy just to report the loss and get a new one that you're not no one's worse off the people who are worse off in the well everyone's worse off when 19 billion dollars of goods go missing right but um you know the company's worse off but then in the end they need to charge more to make up for the loss that they're suffering because they can't have bad stock results or bad stock price and they can't do this and they can't do that. So in the end, the consumer, even though we can't see it on a you know piece of paper, you know, is experiencing increased prices because of $19 billion being stolen. And and they're getting that money, right? No one's reporting massive losses from porch piracy. So they're getting the money back, right? So they're just find, finding different and creative ways to do it. And um, yeah, I I think there's starting to be, at least from a retailer perspective and from a carrier perspective, a pushback on no consequences mm. because there are consequences, just the average person can't see them. Um, they're just paying for them, right? Yes. And so I think- there, you know, federal legislation would help um, continuing to then push the other, you know, 42 states to at least consider um, making harsher consequences. You know, I don't want to send any way, anyone away, you know, to prison for life for stealing, you know, my packet of pens. But, <laughs> you know, if they're if they sold everybody's packets of pens, it's a different conversation. right? <laughs> That's right. So, OK, what do you recommend then? Let's say that you're a. Um mid-sized retail business, you know, what What should you be doing? What can you do to A, minimize your own losses, B, help 
hold people accountable? Should people be reaching out to their congressmen? Should they be, you know, setting up more safeguards? Just where do they start? Yeah, I think it it would start with um, providing there, you know, a lot of different options for getting the product to the consumer, right? Yeah. So I would say small businesses should have multiple options for delivery, right? So not just on the home, can they do day specific so someone could pick when they're home? Um, I would even say looking at, you know, store to pick up or ship to store. Um, if that's not an option, because, you know, and I, I do love some, the internet because you could buy from a consignment shop in Minnesota, right? And have it shipped to you. Um, you know, looking at access points, working with the carrier to make sure that they are providing all of those things. And they could be different price points, right? I mean, but let the consumer make the decision, right? Let them pick their inconvenience, right? And so, and you don't want to say it in a negative way, but that's the reality. Would they rather get this one kind of item, you know, shipped to, to a box or shipped to Staples and pick it up because they know it's going to sit there safely or sit on their front porch, right? So I would say multiple delivery options. And even if, and let's all, let's just be clear, nothing is free. So free shipping doesn't really exist. So I think the faster consumers realize that nothing's free and that there is a cost to it and then again, making their own choices. So, okay, maybe this kind of delivery is included because that's that's easy for you. But then if they want an access point or they want it a day specific or they want something in addition to delivery, use it as a profit center. All right, well, it only really cost me $2, but I'm going to charge them $3, right? Like, I mean, there's, I think there's ways that to be creative that's beneficial to everyone. And then I think letting the consumers make the decision. I think that driving that I think is important. I absolutely love that. I love the idea of choices and leaving it as I talk about, you know, the experience I had where I was all panicked because something came early. You know, I, if I'd been given the option of, okay, somebody has to sign for this. I wasn't given that option during checkout on this particular um, business that I went to. If I had chosen not to do that, then I would have been like, okay, well, I chose to play with fire. So now, you know, that was up to me and I didn't want to do it. Or if, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you can get insurance or package protection options out there where if I'm like, I don't want to pay for that. Well, then I feel a little bit of responsibility because I had a choice and I chose to risk it. And so I love, love, love your viewpoint of, let the consumer kind of have some skin in the game, kind of have some, be part of that decision-making process and know that you're all working together to try to figure out how to avoid this uh, piracy issue. So I love that point, number one. So number two, let's talk about legislation. What what can businesses do to help, you know, move things forward? So if they are in a state, if they're in Idaho where my parents are, or if they're, well, my brother's in Colorado where they already are a felony, but you know, if you're somewhere where it's not a felony, what can they do as a business to try to encourage that there are more consequences, especially for these organized crimes? I would say if they're experiencing high volume of their products being stolen, that 
communicating that to both local and federal officials, right? So I can very much, you know, you can very much, you know, go into Google and say, who's the congressman in, you know, Colorado, one, two, three, four, right? Uh, who's my congressman, right? And you can find out who's your local congressman. Obviously, senators are a lot easier. There's only two per state, right? But, you know, find, finding out, um, sending them, sending their local office, Right. There's so many members of Congress have local offices in their district that you could stop by. You could easily and it, it'll tell you it'll tell you their address on their website. It'll also so you can send a letter. You can there's um, email addresses where you can send and saying, listen, I'm a constituent. I own a small business and I'm experiencing large volume of, you know, package theft uh, through porch piracy. And I would like the state, not only the state of you know, Kansas, Maryland, Virginia, to do something about it, I would like to see something federally happen. And I think the more people talk about the issue instead of acting like it doesn't happen, I feel like so many folks act like it doesn't happen. Um, the consumers are knowing it's happening because they're getting the, the, the refund or they're getting the product, another product. But at a business level, it's kind of very, very hush hush, right? And so I think um, talking about it, talking with, especially as a small business owner, or, you know, you only have two locations in a state or something like that. Um, doing outreach like that is, is more beneficial than UPS walking in and saying 0.125% of our packages are stolen every day or whatever the number is. And they're like, well, how many is that? Well, we deliver on average 20 million pieces a day. So that's all our number, right? I mean, it, 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 it's not as impactful as hearing from the small business from it's being stolen or hearing from the mom and pop shop or or the the consolidator who works with eight small businesses or the platform companies that you know that track it and know that they're stolen or you know like all the everyone has a story to tell and just having it out there is so much more beneficial than just grumbling and thinking that it's a part of the business. So you know what I, mean? I have to admit, yeah, to being a little bit of a cynic, I always think, oh, I'm just one business owner. I'm just one person. Does it Chambers even really make a difference? I feel like locally bringing it up at a chamber of commerce meeting, right? I mean, that's mm -hmm. what they're there for is to represent. And so that the more the story is told, oh my goodness, this year we've had blah, 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 stolen, or, oh, we, you know, everyone loves our new widget and it, it is, we, you know, we can't keep it on the shelf, but we're finding that, you know, 25% of them are stolen on the porch or whatever it is. Um, talking about it at a chamber of commerce, meaning because they have direct exposure to local officials. Right. And so I think if it starts locally, you can see impacts in your state immediately. Um, and then from there, anytime you reach out, to a member of Congress, uh, to their district office, or even their DC office, you will get a response back. And if you have specific numbers, like I'm a small business, I make this much, you know, be factual. I'm a $2 million small business, a $100,000 small business. And, you know, in 2023, I had to replace 200 goods to consumers because of this. This was the impact it had to my business. So instead of reporting blank profit, I now, reported zero profit or, you know, whatever, whatever the impact is, because those add up. And if everyone who experienced it had that story to tell, that $19 billion could be accounted for like that. If every member of Congress knew that a portion of that was in their state. I love that. And I, as I was saying, you know, I, 
sometimes we get caught up in that idea of, oh, it doesn't really make a difference. I, I'm just one business, nobody cares. But I love the idea that they do. So go in with numbers. Go in with just sharing your experience. Start local. You can go to state. You can go fed. Um, but those are all great initiatives that we can take. And un- don't take that much time to nope. try to make a difference. So I no, love and that. You'd, you'd be surprised, especially small businesses. You reach out to the district office in for your congressman. They're going to be like, they're going to follow up and they're going to ask you questions. And then they might even be like, well, can the com- congressman stop in and see your operations? Can they meet your employees? Like, so then all of a sudden it, it goes from you were, you were reaching out because you experienced an issue in their district, in their local district, federal district. And the next thing you know, they're walking in your front door because they want to hear from you or they want to see what you do to understand. And next thing, now you have a relationship and that relationship, you know, you know, I, you and I were, before we even got started, you were asking some of the things we were looking at from a perspective and, and, and taxes, right? 2025 is going to be a huge tax year, right? So even if porch piracy is a small issue, taxes and taxes you pay both as an individual and as your company is going to be a huge year. So going in and starting establishing relationships uh, locally and federally is one of the best things you can do from both a chamber of commerce perspective, you sit on your local chamber of commerce, or even as a business owner yourself. That's so cool. That was like a total aha moment for me because this is a super relationship heavy industry. Um, I've talked about that with multiple experts in the industry, how important it is to get a relationship with your carrier, with your suppliers, with, you know, just all those relationships are really critical. And I never added that idea of it being also a relationship with our legislature, with, you know, those who are out there doing those lawmaking. And so what a great opportunity to create relationships. Really brilliant there, Jessica. I love that. Okay, well, I think we're about out of time, but do you have any other tips or, or thoughts that you want to end with today? Yeah, I would say, you know, no one knows there's a problem until you, you let everyone know there's a problem, right? So um, the more, and, and I'm not saying, you know, exaggerate or, or make it a bigger deal than it is, but just being factual um, and and starting the relationships, right? I mean, imagine a year from now, we're, we're doing this because we were able to get something into legislation, whether at your state or at the federal level, because folks stood up and said, hey, this is an issue for me and it's impacting me and my business. It's impacting my community. Um, th- that is that those are the easy wins for Congress. Right. Some of this other stuff is really hard. This stuff is really easy when people stand up to, and tell their story. Oh, I love it. Awesome. OK, Jessica, are you on LinkedIn or something if people want to follow you and keep up to date maybe with the latest bills that are in Congress? Yes, I'm in LinkedIn and, and you know, at any time, you know, if they reach out to you and needing additional follow-up or, or help with anything, feel free to share my contact information. Um, yeah, no, it's, the Hill can seem daunting, but I would say that once you do your first interaction, email, letter, the, all that's become easy because you, you set yourself into a process and you can very easily mimic that process anytime you need to. Uh, I love it. You know, it's the hill and it seems like you said intimidating, but it's still just people. So I love that idea. Thank you so much for being here. We've learned so much. I think that this is a really complex topic, but there are a lot of things we can be out there doing. So again, thank you for being here. Everybody have a great week and we will talk to you next time.